It is Governor's Day out of the Illinois State Fair, which is where I wish I was. But the next best thing, if I can't be at the fair, at least part of the fair can come here. And that would be Comptroller Susana Mendoza, who's been out at the fairgrounds today and earlier at the Democratic County Chairs Association brunch celebrating this Governor's Day along with her fellow Democrats. And she joins us live this afternoon. Comptroller Mendoza, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time with us this afternoon. Oh, thanks for having me, Jim. I'm so bummed that you haven't had a chance to make it out today. It's such a beautiful day. It, it really is. I'm I'm going to get my time out there, and I'm very much looking forward to it. But uh, in the meantime, uh, I'm sort of basking in the, the very unusual situation we find ourselves in after years where we languished with a massive bill backlog. We were really a deadbeat state in a lot of ways. And right now, we have a bill payment cycle just like a, a, a normal grown-up state. You know, it just uh, it, it's so unusual for us to find ourselves in this situation. So uh, help us figure this out. How did we get here from where we were just a few short years ago? Well, thanks, Jim. Yes, I love being able to celebrate good news in Illinois, especially coming out of the controller's office. You know, a few years ago when I first took office, which was on December 5th of 2016, I walked into the worst fiscal crisis in our state's history. Um, the bill backlog under the prior governor had gotten as bad as $16.7 billion. And before I walked into office, uh, the state had experienced eight consecutive credit downgrades. Um, and, you know, I, I had the rude awakening of finding out that, um, you know, upon becoming controller, that the bill backlog, uh, people hadn't been paid in two years in some cases. And in other cases, for example, with our most vulnerable citizens like nursing home people and uh, folks in hospice care, uh, they had been paid in about nine months. And so, you know, uh, I dedicated myself to turning that all around. And today, uh, as you mentioned, um, my oldest bill, so the, the oldest bill that I have in my shop right now, ready to be paid, is four days, well, essentially Friday. Friday is the last bill that I have. Um, so we have not been this current on paying our bills since uh, right before September 11th of 2001, so 20 years ago. And, uh, and it didn't happen overnight. And most importantly, I did not use a penny of federal stimulus money to pay down this bill backlog. It's just been a lot of hard work, dedication, and a laser focus over the last four and a half years. Of any time I had a little bit better than expected revenues come into the state for a specific month or so, we put it towards paying down the bill backlog. And, and any time I could stretch a dollar um, and pay a bill that the federal government would give me a federal match for, for example, uh, every dollar that I pay in Medicaid bills, the government gives me 56 cents. Well, I would target bills like that so that I could stretch the value of the tax dollar and, and pay down the bill that block. And so we paid down the bill that block, and my oldest bill, as I said, is as of this last Friday. So it's, it's amazing. It is also, though, a scenario that I think a lot of people have seen in their uh, in their own lives where uh, they'll have a huge credit card debt. They finally get it paid off and they're like, whoa, now this is great. Now we can live it up a little bit. And the next thing they know, they're back in debt again. How big a risk right. is that from where you sit? And, and are we taking the steps to maintain uh, this improved financial picture for uh, for years down the road? Yes, we are. And that is a great point because I tell folks we should celebrate this great news, but we should not get complacent. And we need to continue to exhibit fiscal discipline to not overspend our means. Uh, the governor and the legislature, thankfully, the last two years have introduced as close to balanced budgets as you can imagine. Um, we have not seen any deficit spending over the last two years. 
And in fact, um, our fiscal discipline has been so good that, you know, I am introducing through uh, Representative Mike Halpin out of the Quad Cities. He's championing for us my next big piece of legislation, um, which on the same, Jim, is really important. It's to save for a rainy day. You know, our our state has had about $60,000 in it over the last few years in the rainy day fund. And that's not enough to cover 30 seconds worth of government services. Today, we have a little over $9 million. So when you're talking about uh, states that, in our case, we should have about 3 to $4 billion in reserves, $9 million is nothing. So our next big step and, and my next big goal is to make sure that we can, through legislation, um, create a trigger of automatic payment into the rainy day fund when the state is, in fact, around a 30-day business cycle of payment. So that's the fiscally disciplined thing to do. It's what people do in their own homes, right, when you need to prepare for a rainy day. And there's no reason why the state of Illinois should be any different. So that's my next big project. I, I want to come back to that. But be, before we get to the point where we can say, hey, look, we can start socking some money away for that rainy day, we do still have some immediate challenges, one of which is the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund, billions of dollars in the hole right now. Uh, to, to what extent are, are you involved in that? And what do we need to do to rectify that situation? Yeah, so we're in conversations, of course, my, my team's always in, in conversations with the governor's office of, uh, of budget, and um, and that is a serious challenge. And, you know, we did get uh, a little over $8 billion in federal uh, stimulus funds, um, some of which can be used for things like that, not all. And, of course, we're not looking to spend down that money anytime soon. Uh, the whole point is we need to continue to be disciplined on how these dollars are spent. Again, we have to spend a penny of it on on uh, lowering or tackling the build backlog. So I think these discussions are in the works right now. I know that's an area of major concern uh, fiscally. And, um, you know, I would say just, you know, keep paying attention and, and stay tuned for more info on that. We're talking with Comptroller Susanna Mendoza this afternoon. And Comptroller, as you said, uh, having that rainy day fund is a great cushion, a great hedge against future potential downturns. But when we've got these these looming debts like the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund, like the unfunded pension liability in the tens and uh, soon hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, do we really have the ability to put money aside when we probably should be applying it to some of this long-standing and very deep pile of debt? Yeah, I think that you can chew gum and walk at the same time. So it's, a, it's an important point, Jim. We should always be, even in your household, you should always be putting a little tiny bit aside um, to to uh, think about a potential crisis down the road. And um, what we're suggesting is a small percentage of money, which, you know, $200 million would say sounds like a lot of money, but in the scheme of billions of dollars uh, in a budget, it's, it's really not. Um, but each state, more or less, should aim to have about 3 to 4% reserve in their uh, rainy day fund. And you can still try to do that and at the same time try to focus on areas of, of immediate need. Uh, the unemployment being one example, the living pension fund uh, uh, or the, the payments there are, are another. And I'll give you an example. As controller, uh, under my watch, we have not a single uh, pension payment, and I know how important it is to, to stay uh, current on those payments. Doing the opposite would immediately result in another credit downgrade, and we're trying to get credit upgrades, of which we've now been upgraded by two separate uh, rating agencies, and I'm, I'm shooting for that third anytime soon. 
but um, but the point here is that I think that we need to, you know, look at when our finances get better, and we're still in the pandemic, and we're still being cautious, right? So I say let's celebrate good news, but we're not out of the woods by any imagination yet. Uh, we still have that pension debt uh, to address. Um, but I think that you, the, the number one thing I'd like to see, actually, and that I, I talk to the governor about it, and I, I say out loud, is that uh, rather than talk uh, about how bad that pension debt is, is when we have new revenues, we should set aside a percentage of those revenues to pay above and beyond the minimum statutory uh, mandated payments on those pensions. And I think that the credit rating agencies would appreciate seeing some dedicated funding streams go towards those uh, securing those pension funds. And it's not going to happen overnight. We're talking a years and years and years of having to make these additional payments. But we have not made additional payments above and beyond the, the legally mandated minimums. And I don't even know when the last time was that that happened. It's been many, many, many years. So um, those are the type of things that I think would move the needle with the credit rating agencies giving us, um, you know, more of a thumbs up and hopefully a movement uh, towards the, the positive direction. Um, but I would say to folks, you know, five years ago, when people saw that the state of Illinois had almost $17 billion in a bill that box, many people told me that, you know, white people want to be controller. I mean, Illinois should just go bankrupt. There's no way you can recover. And I always said back then, and I continue to say today, never give up on Illinois. We are now at the fastest bill payment cycle that we've been in over 20 years. So, yes, we do have a pension uh, problem, but we need to address that, and we can't. It just takes political will, desire, and we, I think, uh, I, I don't believe anything's impossible. Impossible just takes a little bit longer. So we've proven what we can do with the bill backlog. I think it's time to start talking about some of these other uh, pressing concerns. Uh, but nothing is unachievable in my mind. At the various uh, Governor's Day events you've been at today, you have talked about the state's fiscal situation and your actions in the office, but you've also talked about the political situation heading into an election year, and it seems pretty clear uh, that this election next year is going to be waged in large part on how Illinois dealt with the pandemic, on how Governor J.B. Pritzker handled it. You had some pretty uh, clearly communicated thoughts on that subject today. So from your perspective, how have we done in dealing with this pandemic? And what, what do you think of the restrictions the governor put in place over the past year and a half uh, to cope with it? Yeah, I think that the governor has done a tremendous job dealing with this pandemic. I spoke today about the fact that I've seen it very up close and personal in my own household. My brother, who's a Chicago police uh, detective sergeant, who's dedicated his entire career to trying to keep people safe. Um, he caught coronavirus while on the job back in November before vaccines were available. And he almost died. He spent 71, 72 days, I should say, um, hospitalized and has finally, you know, come back home to me. He couldn't come home to his own place because he was in no condition to. Uh, coronavirus stripped him of many years of his life. He did survive, but, he, you know, in a very different situation. He lost both of his kidneys. He'll need to be on dialysis for the rest of his life, three days a week. He had five mini strokes because of the virus. And, you know, it's, it's super sad and tragic to see that. Um, so I, I see this very, very personally. I have friends uh, who've lost their parents, who've lost family members, and, and it's been very heartbreaking. At the same time, I know, I know personally, I've seen it, how committed Governor Pritzker is to trying to keep people safe. And I did say today that it's a thankless shot that no matter what he does, uh, there are people out there who are angry at him for trying to keep them safe. And they don't understand that, you know, a simple sacrifice of putting on a mask, even when you don't want to, it's not fun, I'll, I'll agree. Uh, but I heard someone say once that uh, 
you know, people who say, you know, wearing a mask is uncomfortable. Uh, that's not uncomfortable. Wearing Spanx is uncomfortable, right? Ask any woman out there. And we do it. And so, like, this is a, a tiny sacrifice that will help keep other people safe. And the, the science is there for people to play these games and politicize a virus that doesn't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican, but just wants to get into your body, body and take hold and, and have you spread it to others who might be very vulnerable. I think the most un-American thing we can do is not care about our fellow citizens. And so um, I do appreciate the governor, even at the expense of all these people who now are angry at him for trying to save people's lives, um, is continuing to do his best to try to save people. Again, I, I really do hope that people get vaccinated, um, and I hope that people stay safe. And I hope at the very least, at the very least, that, that people uh, understand how lucky they are if they have not been impacted in a negative way by COVID. And just, you know, reflect for a second that um, it, it's not a big ask to ask you to just take care of your fellow countrymen and take care of yourself and, and to just do the smart thing. I don't think this is, certainly for me, it's not political. It's very personal. It, it and did- I don't want people to get sick. Given what happened with your brother and what you've seen up close and personal, do you get angry when you hear people uh, downplay the vaccine or, you know, insist that they're not going to get it, seem to be trying to discourage others from getting it? When you hear politicians downplaying the pandemic, does that make you angry? Of course it does, because they should know better and they do know better, but they choose to play politics with people's lives. And and, you know, it's very unfortunate that people have fallen for a lot of this misinformation um, and, and I'm aware that that's just the case, but it does. It makes me angry because I don't want people dying when it's preventable. And worse off yet, you know, all the people that are complaining about having to wear masks right now or, or needing to do additional uh, containment measures are the very reason why we have to continue to wear masks and do containment measures because they haven't done their part in trying to slow down the virus. And so, yes, I, I do get upset. Um, and I get upset because people want their lives back. And I'm certainly not the only one, but the sooner we all come together and do this small sacrifice of, you know, getting the vaccine if you're able, um, and of course, you know, doing small other things like washing your hands or using sanitizer or uh, keeping a social distance and um, and being respectful to others by wearing a mask, uh, that's how we get out of this sooner rather than later. And so, yes, I, I feel like we're kind of spinning in a hamster wheel and getting nowhere uh, because we're not taking these simple preventative measures. Comptroller Susana Mendoza, we always appreciate your time. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much. Take care, Jim.